Our scripture text this morning comes from the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. Acts, chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, as we hear your word, as we make note of Peter's boldness, Lord, fill us with that same kind of boldness to speak out for you those truths that we too have heard and witnessed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Boy, what an amazing proclamation that was. Peter was actually bold here in our text. Now, we can put a lot of adjectives in front of Peter's name from how we have watched him throughout Jesus' ministry. And at times he has been bold, but not always for the right reasons, right? But this morning, in this particular text, Peter is bold for the Lord. So I wanted to ask you this morning, and uh, I don't necessarily want you to answer it out loud. I really just want you to think about it for a minute. What is it that makes you bold? What is it that makes you bold? Is it when you have nothing else to lose? That kind of makes you throw caution to the wind sometimes, doesn't it? Or maybe you're like this young man that I read a story about not too long ago who was in New York City, and he was almost robbed. There were two men who approached him, and they held a gun to him, and they demanded that he give them his wallet. The young man refused. He says, no very loudly. 
the gunman pointed the gun at his head and said again, give us your wallet. Again, the young man said, no, very loudly and very boldly. Finally, believe it or not, the two gunmen gave up and ran away. Someone asked the young man a little bit later on why in the world he did not give up his wallet. And he replied, my learner's permit was in it. <laughs> I can remember those days, that surprised possession when you're 15 years old. <laughs> but I have to ask you again this morning another question that I want you to ponder. What is your source for courage? What is your source for courage? I had someone ask me not too long ago, or made the comment, they didn't really ask, they made the comment and they said, you know, what this church needs is a good old-fashioned prayer meeting down at the altar. Now, preachers get that kind of thing from time to time. But then someone kind of followed up with that, and it was almost like they were on a roll. But they said, what we need is a good old-fashioned revival. And I wholeheartedly agree. If, if they mean that a renewal of passion for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is what their definition of a revival is. That is exactly what we need. But as you're pondering the questions that I ask you, I, I want to ask you another one. What is your description or what do you say that a bold Christian looks like? If you had to give a definition for a bold Christian, what would that Christian look like? Would it be someone who carried five Bibles under their arms and their elbows that had a pocket full of tracts that they hand out at everywhere they go? Is it someone who is constantly quoting scripture like the Apostle Paul? Think about what your definition of a bold Christian is. But as you think... I want us to go back to the scriptures. And I want us to look at the example that Christ's disciples gave for a bold Christian. Peter and John had been speaking to the people in the temple. They had been taught from childhood about the importance of temple attendance. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody that has been raised in the church and teased on the church pews? But John and Peter still attended worship at the temple. They still honored the word of God. They stayed true 
to their rich tradition as God's chosen people. But there was one slight difference. Now, as Peter and John were in the temple, they were preaching Jesus Christ. They were preaching Jesus Christ. And they were boldly teaching Jesus Christ. And they even went so far as to say that Jesus Christ was God. Now, remember your setting here. Your traditional Jewish temple. Every word they said about Jesus Christ at that point was almost heresy in the face of the Jewish teachings. But they were also teaching the Jewish people to turn from their sins, to turn from their sinful ways, if you will. But even worse, they were proclaiming everywhere they went and with every breath that they had that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and was alive. Now think about that for just a moment. In their setting, in their world. As you can well imagine, their boldness was quite unsettling, if you will, to the priest and the temple leaders. Their boldness caused those priests and those leaders to begin to be troubled. They were disturbed. They were worked up. They were upset, to say the least. And so the very next day, the Sanhedrin arrested Peter and John. You know, when people boldly teach, a person is hard to stop. If you look around at some of our mega churches today, Church of the Highlands is one of those churches that we have seen here in Alabama that has grown exponentially. We see them in storefronts. We, we see them in school buildings. And they are boldly proclaiming the truth and their beliefs. And their passion is contagious. I heard an interview with Chris Hodges a couple of years ago. And Chris was asked, how did you come up with this model for the Highlands? Where it's been so successful. And y'all, watch out now. You know what his, what his explanation was? He said, I copied it from the Methodist. True word. He took John Wesley's model for church and John Wesley's passion... And if you know anything at all about John Wesley, you know that he even stood up on the tree stumps to preach. So Chris Hodges took this model from John Wesley. And through God's guidance, he created Church of the Highlands. 
And if you've ever been to their campus, one of their campuses, one of their many campuses for worship, you can see and you can feel the passion there. You know? The passion is contagious. It's kind of like if you decided to teach a class on crocheting. Now, I'm talking about something that I know nothing about. So if somebody came up to me and said, Hey, Vicki, how about teaching us a class on crocheting? Well, you better believe that I would take a crash course in how to crochet. I would check out every book that the library has on crocheting. I would call on my friends that I knew that crocheted. I might even slip over to YouTube and watch a video on how to crochet. And now, I might be able to slip by teaching that class on crocheting. I could feed, refeed this class the information that I had gleaned in my study and, and looking it up quickly. But there wouldn't be a passion to my teaching. But say you had a passion for photography and someone asked you to teach a class on photography. Whoa! You wouldn't have to check out any books. You wouldn't have to go to YouTube because your love and your passion for photography would be dripping from every word that you spoke. And you could teach that class on photography with passion. You could get the job done. And you could get it done with feeling. And the message would be brought across. So which would you enjoy more? Teaching crochet that you knew nothing about or photography taught out of your own love and passion? What about scripture? Can the Bible be taught without passion? Unfortunately so, yeah. When we teach the Bible without passion, we're only transferring information. But you come across someone who teaches the Word of God as the living Word of God, and you can tell from their words that they are bought and sold and they love this Word of God. You can tell a difference, can't you? I hear that about our men's Bible study sometimes. I hear that about particular preachers around sometimes. They preach and they teach with passion. And there's a difference. There's a difference in someone who is just passing along book knowledge and someone who knows the author of that book. 
John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. And he is famously known for this quote. And I got to say, if I had heard this quote originally, it would have been t-shirt worthy. He says, set yourself on fire with passion for God. And people will come for miles to watch you burn. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. How cool to be known as someone who was so passionate that they were on fire for God. <laughs> Can you imagine what our... Sunday school classes would look like if our teachers taught with passion and were on fire for God. And do not hear me say that our teachers are not on fire for God as they teach here at Red Ridge. That is not what I'm saying at all. But can you imagine the church of God as a whole if all of the teachers and the preachers were filled with that intimate passion and love for God? Imagine if they so inspired you as a congregation to study God's word with passion and excitement instead of saying, Man, that's a tough book. I don't, I don't want to go there. I, I don't like what it says. Or here we are again, reading the same old scriptures, the same old ways. Does that impact your life? I doubt it. I doubt it. But if someone taught it and encouraged you and help to ignite your own passion for God's word, would that impact your life? Absolutely, yes. A hundred percent, it would. Could it be that sometimes we teach and receive only half-heartedly the most powerful message in the world? Do we find ourselves avoiding those subjects that are controversial and confrontational? Ouch. Could it be that sometimes as we study and as we converse, that we are more concerned about feelings than we are faithfulness? Ooh. You ought to hear a bunch of preachers get together and talk about the things that they don't dare preach about from the pulpit. Too controversial, too confrontational, so we'll just leave this alone. When Peter and John were arrested, brought before the council, and commanded to stop speaking about Jesus, their response was 
they could not stop thinking and speaking about Jesus Christ. They couldn't stop from talking about the things that they had heard and the things that they had seen. Their boldness in their speech and their lifestyle was so convincing that the council released them. Let them go. And if you continue reading this story in the scriptures, you will find out that a little bit later down the road, Peter and John did the unthinkable. They prayed for more boldness to speak and more courage. Wow. When's the last time we did? My, my, my. <laughs> Sometimes that even steps on the preacher's toes. Peter and John knew that they had a mission. And they also knew that they could not stop speaking about what they knew. They also knew that they were accountable to God for their speech and for their actions. God was number one in their life. They were solely responsible to him. They were not responsible to any man. So what about us? Are we bold enough to take a stand for Jesus Christ? Whether or not anybody else does? Do we come to worship on Sunday mornings just because it's the thing to do on Sunday? Or do we come out of our love and our passion for God to be in his house. When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a boldness about them. It's a holy boldness, if you will, to speak, even to the point of people coming to watch them burn. As we close this morning, there is a story that I wanted to share that Chuck Colson used to tell several times in some of his preaching and teaching moments. In the, 14th, in the 4th century, there was a monk named Telemachus, a simple monk who tended his garden lived in a remote village outside of any big community, and he spent a lot of his time in prayer. One day in his prayer time, he felt like he heard God telling him to go to Rome. So he obeyed. He set out on foot to walk, to the great city of Rome. Some weeks later, weary from that journey, he arrives in Rome. 
And it was during the time of a great festival there in Rome. The little monk followed the crowds that were streaming into the Colosseum at that point. As he entered the Colosseum, he saw the gladiators standing before the emperor, and he heard them say, We who are about to die salute you. Then Telemaeus realized that these men were about to fight to the death simply for the entertainment of those that had gathered there in the Colosseum. He cried out loudly in the midst of the crowd and their noise, in the name of Christ, stop. As the games began, he pushed his way through the crowd. He climbed over the wall and he dropped down into the sand where the gladiators were getting ready to do battle. Loudly, he says, in the name of Christ, stop. The crowd saw this tiny little monk as he dropped across the wall and went up to the gladiators. And they thought it was all a part of the show. So they began to laugh and to cheer until Telemaeus continued his chant of, In the name of Christ, stop. And the crowd began to realize that this was indeed not a part of the show. And so the crowd began to get angry. They rumbled and they yelled. In a few moments, one of the gladiators, spurred on by the noise of the crowd, drew his sword and ran it through the heart of the tiny monk named Telemaeus. He fell to the sand as he was dying. The words on his lips were, in the name of Christ, stop. The Colosseum grew deathly silent. Up in the very corner on one of the highest rows of the Colosseum, we watched, they watched, as one man stood and left the stadium. And one by one, all of those thousands of people turned and left the stadium without saying a word. The year was the year 404, and that was the very last battle to the death between the Roman gladiators in the Colosseum.
Never again would men fight to the death for the entertainment of others. All because of one voice, one holy, bold voice who dared to yell out in the crowd, in the name of Christ, stop. What if God's children were that bold today? in speaking the words of the gospel. Let us pray. Father God, our spirits and our minds want to be that holy, bold Christian that we've seen and read about in the scriptures and in the history books. But Lord, we're fearful we need to be reminded of what we gain in relationship with you. And to remember that all we need to do, Lord, is call upon that Holy Spirit that resides in us to give us the holy boldness to live as bold Christians in this world that we live in. In Christ's name we pray.